Hello, everybody. Welcome to our podcast, High Action. This is our second season, episode 49, our penultimate episode this season. And uh, today, instead of talking about a specific theme that we've been working on related to guitar, instead of interviewing anybody, we are just going to kind of focus uh, after nearly a hundred episodes of content, might I add, we're getting close to that marker. We're just going to focus on our trio, the New West Guitar Group. And um, the three of us, John and Will and myself, are going to just chat a little bit and share some music with you about uh, this group that we started nearly 20 years ago and uh, reflect a little bit on that as we get ready to close out uh, our second season. Uh, gentlemen, how you doing out there? Will, what's what's new in Long Beach, man? What's new in Long Beach? Just sunshine and exercise and guitar. <laughs> Beautiful. That's that's a nice little mixture. John, how's it going? It's going great. Just got back from Oregon last night. It was beautiful up there and glad to be back here today. Killing Oregon. Yep. That's a beautiful spot to be this time of year. Um, well, guys, listen, today is a, is a rather sad day for me guitar-wise. Um, I knew it was going to happen. I knew this day would come, but... I finally lost my last remaining blue chip guitar pick. <laughs> you lost it? Where? I lost it. When? I don't know. I don't know what it is, but my my little 40, whatever it's called, the blue chip 40, um, I had one left. And for like probably five months, I've had this one blue chip left. I probably ordered three or four, and I've lost them oh, over the course of the year. You want, want to yeah. borrow this one here? I'll just put it through the screen. Put it through the screen for me. Yeah, thank you. But, you know, this is kind of one thing that we've, we've never stopped talking about since we started New West, and that is the importance of choosing the right guitar pick. I mean, all the rhythm guitar parts we play, we switch picks for, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes we play with the fingers, we don't use picks. But, I mean, early on, you know, we weren't really thinking so much about the little details that go into... Um, getting the right sound or the right feel for this group, but it's pretty crucial. We keep coming back to this phrase all the time in New West. It's like the devil's in the details, whether it's a guitar pick or the way you're phrasing a line together or an ensemble part together or the way that you're playing the rhythm to make it feel and sound good. I mean, it's it's quite a uh, experience playing in this group. It's a little different than how it feels to play in a traditional ensemble with, you know, bass and drums and piano and horn players. And, uh, you know, John, let me throw it to you first, since you're a founding member of this group. Like, what are some of the early details that you remember becoming aware of as a guitar player uh, from playing in this band that you don't think came up otherwise? Yeah, um, well, I've always loved the sound of guitars with guitars and i think that comes from all the peter paul and mary music that i learned as a kid the sound of peter yarrow and paul stuckey playing together because they played a nylon string and a steel string and i didn't really know that when i was a little kid but i loved that sound of just the blend of those guitars and yeah. how they kind of one would sort of finger pick paul would kind of like strum a little bit and i just loved that sound 
and Simon and Garfunkel, you know, like some of the music that they did and stuff like that, multiple guitars on those recordings. I love that sound. And then playing it with like a jazz approach was really interesting because we're used to getting a pretty dark sound on an arch top. And I remember at first kind of thinking like, huh, I, for me to like make my sound sweeter and more um, identifiable with other guitars and I'm playing my jazz guitar, I need to brighten my sound a little bit. And the first yeah. year I was playing in New West, I didn't have my L5 yet. I was playing my Epiphone Sheridan 2, which is like a ES355. Right. And um, you remember that guitar? I was using that guitar with the polytone, and it was a pretty dark sound guitar, and I was able to snag getting an L5 that summer and instantly went to this idea of, like, I want a little bit of a brighter sound with this big, rich deep acoustic electric sound and that that man i tell you that year 2003 and 4 really like formed kind of my philosophy of tone if it still to this day is is what i think of and what i hear every time i play so yeah, yeah. and we talked about picks too for sure picks really helped at that time also yeah and the picks yeah. will change your your tone and and certainly that's a perfect example of what i'm saying you're playing this group and you realize oh i have to kind of adjust something that maybe i wouldn't be thinking about in a different ensemble but that just strengthens your musicianship overall if you can have that kind of latitude so let's hear a little bit from uh, our band during that time period this is an arrangement of all the things you are that we did around the time john mentioned we have like these little trills at the end and things like that that are sort of gratuitous it's like I, I like that stuff it gives it good character but it's like I don't know that we'd make a lot of those same choices today you know yeah. it's and what I'm hoping to do in this episode is to show <laughs> kind of how our group has evolved from where it started uh, now Will wasn't even playing in the group at that time we didn't even know who the hell Will Brom was he was <laughs> he was still uh Riding around on the Max up in Portland, uh, <laughs> yeah, shedding his arpeggios with with, with Dan Bomber. Yeah, what was the exactly. other teacher's name? Dan Bomber. Dan, and Dan Gildea. Dan Gildea. Yeah. Shout out, man. Shout out to the OGs. Well, while Will was doing that, John and I were thinking, uh, along with the other members of the group at the time, Brady Cohan and Matt Roberts, 
we were thinking to ourselves, you know, we really got to expand the sound. That was like the phrase that we had, expand mm-hmm. the sound as a group. And we started bringing in like acoustic guitar and bass guitar. And then uh, this original came into the mix, which was, this is a throwback, John. This one's going to get you. That song is called The Wild Man from Eugene. Um, and probably like one of the silliest stories in terms of an inspiration for a song. John, I'll remember we were playing up in uh, Eugene, fantastic little town up in Oregon. And this very Oregon-seeming gentleman uh, just sort of did some interpretive dance all night to our music. And uh, we thought he was a pretty hilarious character. And so the title of that song was granted uh, for him. <laughs> Remember my um, my godmother came too, Marie Lichman, and that's right. My godfather, yeah, they were there, and it was such an odd combo because I think it was just them and that guy and like two other people, and it was at a place that doesn't exist anymore called the Downtown Restaurant that was in Eugene. Yeah, and it was on like the second floor of a place. I oftentimes we think back to these venues that have come and gone like a long time ago, you know. Yeah. And that was that was hilarious because there was kind of tables in there, and then they pushed him back, and we played on that stage up there. Man, yeah, yeah I remember Brady was hardly keeping it together that it's, night. It's you know. Funny. <laughs> Speaking of keeping it together, I could not keep that fucking twelve string in tune. If anybody knows how to keep a twelve string really in tune, <laughs> please send me some clips of the most perfectly in tune twelve string guitar because that was just like a bear, man. Well, yeah, we learned our lesson with that. Don't you sure. spin? <laughs> Just leave. <laughs> Just don't you. Well, the idea of what we were going for really with the 12 string was a bigger acoustic sound. Oh, I know what you're And saying. it actually yeah. doesn't give a bigger acoustic sound. It just gives a washier acoustic sound, which yeah. is cool. And it's very Joni Mitchell of us, but like, man, it was boy, what a bear. And you know, shout out to Ken Rosser for when we went into to do Wide Awake and we borrowed his 76 Takamini 12 string. That was a nice 12 string guitar. That was like a 12 string that had been played a lot. Yeah. But man, it, even that guitar was really a bear. I think for that's us, the man. guitar we just heard. And that's that's Was hard. it was it that's, that one? That's from Wide yeah. Awake. That's our second record and yeah. you know, along these lines, John, uh we got smart on the third record. 
a round trip ticket where we started doubling just a regular six string acoustic. So along the left and the right. And yeah, the acoustic guitar has, and I think still is really fundamental to uh, the sound of our band. And, and this was uh, John's composition that uh, really kind of leveled up the group from our third record round trip ticket. This is a little bit of river crest. acoustic part is so fire um will let me let me toss it to you like when you were coming into the group and you were hearing a song like that and trying to learn it that's one that we haven't really played that much since you've been in the band we've played it a good amount but at this point you feel pretty comfortable on that song right you had to change a few things around which is very natural for new west but what was your approach like learning a song like that can I use a different song as an example, like Crooked yeah. Railroad? Yeah. Because like something like that, like I never used to go, like that type of playing, that's like, that's only in New West. Right. Right? Um, the articulation, the, the rhythmic, like like the harmonic part has a, percussiveness to it that's the new west sound on on an arch top yeah right otherwise it's just a muddy or it could be a muddy mess and even a a tune like a river crest you know in that case really open sounding chords um i don't remember that fast e major pentatonic run but um all kinds of challenges. I mean, it, it, you have to like hit the first note correctly, or else the rest falls apart. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to <laughs> hard to jump on the train when you're in like you know the middle of the passage, so to speak. Like, uh huh, uh huh. It, it doesn't work. But yeah, the point the point is really important to to drive home, and that is like, you know, we are all sort of collectively the drummer, uh, and and we're all collectively responsible for the EQ. And it gets back to these little details that we keep talking about. You know, everything from just adjusting your tone knob from like having it at, you know, six and bringing it up to 10. It's not a huge difference, but sometimes in our band, it can make a, a really big difference in terms of how the music is received. Mm-hmm. So that was our third record, uh, Round Trip Ticket. And um, just kind of moving forward chronologically, uh, in our discography, 
Uh, we had a wonderful opportunity from a, a big supporter of the group for many years, Jeff Traugott, to record an all-acoustic album. And it was a great experience. Uh, at this point, we were a trio. It was uh, John, myself, and our uh, founding member, Brady Cohan. And uh, this is a song of Brady's from uh, that record. It's really beautiful, it's, and it's all on acoustics. It'll be recorded up in the Bay Area. It's called Birthday Girl. Doesn't that sound nice? Man, I never get tired of hearing that melody. It's, it's a really pretty one. Um, that's a song we haven't really continued on with the group, but I always enjoyed that one from, from our fourth record, which was entitled Sleeping Lady, which is the, the name of Mount Tamapias, which was where the studio was. Um, that's uh, the translation from the Native American name Tamapias. Um, so yeah, it's that was a that was a really fun fun experience for us to get to uh, have a sponsored album, fully sponsored, and get a chance to record all acoustic guitars. John, what's what's a good memory you have from that uh, that experience at that home studio up there in Marin? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's always a band's kind of dream to like go off and record a record together at some cool spot. You know, we like. Um, you know, Frizzell recorded the the record at Big Sur, uh, so did Feist. You know, like they, they, they go off and they go record these be records in these beautiful locations. And yeah, it was really gorgeous. It was really fun to get to go up there and do that. Back in the early days in New West, for those who are listening and have learned that like we've been doing this for a long time, we, we used to spend a lot of time in the summer on the road. Uh, even before the gigs, we'd get together, Perry, up at your parents' place in Tahoe, and we would just work on arrangements together actually like we would come up with ideas and sort of actually do the arrangements together and then we'd go play them at the, the for those like two or three weeks on the road so that was kind of a fun chance for us to do that and bringing Paul Tavener up there and so, a bunch of microphones you know it was really fun to to do that and uh yeah recording all acoustic man i think that that's always been something that new west does really strong you know where you know we don't get to do it a whole lot because you have to take different instruments on the road with us it's a whole different setup live it's a whole different sound um you know just doing it at kumbua and doing it at the um old saint hillary church in tiburon and a couple of those places have been really special but yeah and for the music at the time in new west it was kind of a turning point for us because i think we were sort of trying to decide is the band writing music that's more programmatic and more like a movie score and more like telling these long epic stories or are we going to write tunes that are sticking more in our jazz roots where we're playing and we're improvising a lot over tunes and 
you know, a tune like Birthday Girl, there's not as much improvising as there is just a lot of programmatic part writing and whatnot. Right. So, it was, yeah, I mean, it was 2008. That was like November of 08, I remember. Yeah, Very it was much really great. a combination from where, you know, the three of us were coming from as musicians in our own right, you know, Brady yeah. trying to get more into film composing and, and TV composing and... Um, kind of as we moved on as a band, I think John, you know, sort of your interest and my interest really helped ground the group uh, as we welcomed a new member in Jeff Stein, who was playing with us before Will. Uh, and this was one of the songs that we started working up with Jeff. And this is a composition of John's where we really started combining different acoustics with an electric, um, combining the steel string with the nylon string, which became a just a really beautiful sound, you know, um, and then also adding an electric on top of that. That was a, a new challenge, but also very eye-opening for us. And uh, this song, I think, is still one of the um, sort of fundamental compositions in our band that stood, stood the test of time. This is Evergreen. those of you keeping track that was our fifth record entitled big city and john i have to say by the time i think we got to this point i felt like we had sort of sort of somewhat realized at least the sort of recording sound we were trying to go for and and a bit of sort of the overall compositional sound of the of the band like it felt like we were we weren't just arranging, arranging standards or writing kind of random originals. It was like, this is a New West song, you know? Mm -hmm. And it sort of felt like we had defined the direction of the band a little bit. Would you agree that that Big City kind of represented that for us a little bit more than some of the other records? Sure. I remember when we did that record, I rem us talking a lot that summer about how important it was for us to get a record out that really reflected the sound of the group because the pro the projects we had before didn't really feature a lot of the, the ways we were currently writing. Um, I actually distinctly remember coming back into L.A. I think we played in Vegas, and we were talking about the amplifiers we were using, and Jeff wanted to use a certain kind of amp, and we were talking about like how to record the amplifiers, and... and um, all of us were like, yeah, let's really go for the effect of, of, of what we sound like live right now, you know. And I also feel like it was an interesting time, like 2000, 
14, 15, Instagram really blew up in 2015, 16, you know, and this is before social media video to recording was really like the thing as it is much now that all of us are promoting our records, our, our, our careers with. And that to me was such a special time in my career, man. It's almost like the, that's the, like the millennial effect here. Like you, that was the last time I felt like I needed to record a project, which ref reflected my live presentation because now it's just all video footage and all that sort of stuff and and we didn't have much of a budget to video it back then and i was using my buddy dave frederick to video a lot of our stuff and the videos were like almost us a luxury on top of the recording so yeah big city is a, an important record it was also a time personally that i kind of stalled releasing my own music because I could tell the video thing was starting to come about. I could tell the social media thing. And I was like, man, I don't know if I should go spend nine, 10 grand on a recording right now. I want to kind of wait to see how things go. Sure enough, 2015, 16, social media is blowing up. So Big City is like the millennial record for me. It was the last time we felt like we had our foot in the previous music industry. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean by that. And, you know, certainly as, as I reflect on, a career in the music industry overall, like I think we'd all agree, it's it's important that you're able to adapt and you're able to evolve and sort of try new things. And on that note, no pun intended, uh, the next record we released featured a bunch of our favorite vocalists, and we thought doing a collaboration um, with some incredible singers would be a really good thing to kind of show another side to our band and. Uh, it was a great idea because it ended up in resulting in some of our heavier touring years after that. Um, cementing a great collaboration with Sarah Gazarek. And uh, on this track, though, this is John arranged Black Crow, the Joni Mitchell tune, for the wonderful Peter Eldridge. I wanted to play a minute, minute of this for us. And diving, 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 diving down to pick up on every shiny thing, just like that black you know we're just a couple of handbar handlebar mustaches away from sounding like crosby stills and nash on that one you know like we're a couple of vocal harmonies and we were right there that's right that's right but then we could break out into a blues at any time we could we could um and as as we continue to evolve we sort of embraced not just the original writing but doing more covers like you heard there on that last song, um, Black Crow from Joni Mitchell. But certainly when, when Will joined the group, kind of around this time, uh, we, we sort of had a mix, right, Will? A mix of standards, originals, and sort of popular covers. And that's sort of been the zone that we've more or less been in since then, right? Definitely. And, and this was a tune that uh, 
John brought in called In Your Eyes that, that Will really uh, made his own and uh, sounds incredible on, on our record Live at Machunk, which would be our uh, seventh album and our last real full-length album that we've released. Uh, it was recorded in Pennsylvania at this incredible venue that we've had the pleasure of playing at a few times called the Machunk Opera House. The acoustics in there are awesome, and we've had a couple of really, really incredible shows there. And this is a little take from that track, In Your Eyes, by Peter Gabriel. what I like about playing that track is there's there's no acoustic guitar on there. Mm-hmm. Right? But we're still hearing that really percussive thing. And so um, yep. one of the things we started doing in our live shows that really kind of made that sound possible for us without playing just the acoustics, we started miking our instruments. You know, not just the amps. We started actually miking the guitars. And that really has made a huge difference in terms of our live sound. I think you can hear it on that track. So... Um, I have one more track to play for us, gentlemen. Believe, believe it or not, we've gone through a record of each of our <laughs> seven albums. So what do you think's next for us? Are we going to do an eighth album? Yeah, I mean, I think, that, idea. I think that the idea of us re- recording um, ourselves and also um, working with uh, Leah Zager has been really great recently. I think there's some really cool new arrangements we gotta got to document with her for sure. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, Leah Zager is a wonderful violin player and singer. And Will and I are going to be doing a gig with her at the end of September. Unfortunately, John can't make it, but um, we've been starting a wonderful collaboration with her, and I think I think that's going to be a, a new project to kind of get us into. The um, other thing, if, if I find it, I'll post it on our social media. Um, I have the very first recording of New West in our very first rehearsal in 101 that Pat Kelly turned oh, the mics on when it was Brady and Matt and you and I. And we did, um, what is this thing called, Love and Olio 
like the Live at Yoshi's Joey DeFrancesco thing where should, we vamp on the minor chord. You should find that. You should find that momentarily. We might, might want to Yeah. Might well, I don't that. know if I can grab it right now during the recording, but I, I'll, if I find it, I'll post it on our social media okay. in, a, in our Instagram so people can check it out because it's, it's pretty funny, you know. But we're also really excited to all play together. Yeah. And, you know, I think that was also the camaraderie of New West early on was really a big thing. It was like we all had an individual mission to learn a lot of tunes and play jazz together. And so yeah. through, hopefully as people check out some of our recordings and it's been so fun with high action to get to share this band with people you know um they can kind of hear how the the fact that we're all straight ahead jazz guitarists has kind of helped us sort of you know stay dedicated to that throughout all of these kinds of all the kind of writing in the group yeah exactly all good points and um last thing i wanted to share was just sort of the the most recent sort of musical thing that we've collaborated on. Um, and this happened during sort of the height of the pandemic. We were doing remote recordings and we thought, well, we can't really get together. We don't have gigs lined up because everything's been put on hold or canceled. So I just thought, you know what? Let me just send you guys a track of me playing something and see what you put on top of it. So there's really no arrangement. It's just you guys coming up with your own parts and, uh, on this particular track, I think Will played like a small... A get to Lele. You played your get to Lele? It's like a really tiny guitar, right? Yeah. By Yamaha that's tuned up a fourth. So it's in the ukulele timbre, um, but it's a guitar. So it's a lot easier <laughs> It actually to play. sounds good. You know, I have a ukulele over here that I play sometimes with my son who's young. And like sometimes I just try like... You know, playing bebop on it, it sounds all fucked up. I love it. You got to try the Gitu Lele, dude. You got to try it. I can play anything on it. Gitu Lele. Gitu Lele. Well, this is this is a little bit of a, a home recording remote thing that we all did called Coastline. gonna put it out there that i think it would be fun to try to do a set with all the tunes that we did from the remote recordings where they're not really set arrangements but we kind of have an idea of like what the three of us might be doing on each of the jam tunes, band you know or at least the, the new jam set band. you know and it's just it just becomes kind of like a kind of like a jam but it's not like a straight jam because we have all the context of all the songs that we've done that we've arranged over the years i don't know will but what do you think I'm down. Yeah, you're I think honestly, I kind of just want to bust out that get to Lele today. It's, <laughs> it is. A, it's kind of a cool little secret weapon. It is. Yeah. It's very, very David Grisman of you on, <laughs> on there. Um, well, uh, this is our second to last episode of the second season. Um, for the listeners, we really want to thank you for hanging with us. 
for so long. Uh, we, we can see everybody and um, follow the people that are really paying attention to our podcast, and we really, really appreciate it. We do have some bonus episodes we're going to be premiering this summer in a series called In the Woodshed, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, but yeah, we're just really excited that you guys have stuck with us through our first season with all the interviews and the second season with a ton of um, different themes related to our playing and our practicing. So we really appreciate the listeners and especially those that are supporting directly on Patreon. John, any final comments before we get out of here? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that um, the New West, it's always going to be that, that project that, you know, you're out of college and you go on the road with your buddies and you kind of work stuff out. And, man, it's I feel so lucky that that was a group that was all guitar players, you know, because oftentimes right. when you're like in music school, jazz school, and you, you decide to book a tour, you're playing with other instruments. You might be the only guitar player. You're playing like a duo with a vocalist. And, I mean, all that is great and fun. But when you're out there with other guitar players, man, there was so much to learn and just, yeah. So, I mean, it's, I have a lot of gratitude for this band for, for all of those days of, of <laughs> being on tour and staying in Motel 6s and staying on our parents' floors. And just, man, those were, those were, those were, some, those were some times. <laughs> they were those some were times. definitely some times, man. <laughs>